You're listening to Everyday Saints, a podcast from the Melbourne Anglican. I'm your host, Kiralee Nicole. My aim is to feature the stories from those of all different backgrounds in Melbourne and beyond. These stories, they might make us laugh, they might make us cry. My hope is that hearing a diverse range of stories will bring us closer together and better equip us to care for one another. So, without further ado, we hope you enjoy. The person I'm speaking with today is somebody some of you may know personally if you attend Sunday services or you're involved in an English as a Second Language class at a Melbourne Anglican church. Jan Shattuck has lived a very varied life. She's been a lay minister, an ESL teacher, a primary school teacher, a mum, and she's also worked overseas as a mission teacher. I recently got to hear about her journey of faith. And this one as well, it's for anyone, but it's particularly for those who might be new to their faith journey and feel that they have a lot of anxieties that their faith maybe doesn't feel like it yet fully speaks into. And I just want to add a trigger warning on that for anyone who's experienced cancer, particularly skin cancer, if that's something that you are dealing with trauma regarding, listen with care or maybe even just skip this one. With that to say, I hope you enjoy listening to Jan's story of faith. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to chat. It'll be great to hear what you have to say. Welcome to the Everyday Saints podcast. Thank you. So, yeah, starting starting just with a bit about you and your upbringing. Um, tell me a bit about that. Where did you grow up and how did you come to faith? Uh, I grew up um, in East Melbourne. I went to Murrumbina Primary School. And in those days, people could hand out leaflets to kids after school, inviting them to after school missions. And that's what happened. And I went to the local Baptist church. I ended up going to their Sunday school. Uh, I did go to another Sunday school as well, but the Baptists had theirs in the afternoon. So I went to their Sunday school and I went to the Methodist in the morning. It was just around the corner from us. Uh, my parents were Anglicans. My father used to go to 8.30 every Sunday morning and was Vickers Warden for umpteen years. Um, yeah, so that's the, uh, I suppose, a, a religious family in one way, but a very socially aware family. So I suppose that was an introduction to me through the Baptist mission. Then when I went to high school, I went to McKinnon High School and we had an inter-school Christian fellowship there and uh, we had a, a man come and speak about what it meant for Jesus to be the ruler in your life and so often we keep all our rubbish in the attic and we don't clear it out whereas he said that Jesus would clear all the rubbish out and forgive me for everything that I'd done in the past and give me the strength to live without accumulating more rubbish <laughs> well getting rid of it every day by asking the lord's forgiveness each day and so that's what i've practiced since that's that's great so so that was sort of the 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 initial start of your faith journey i guess well it, it sounds like you were exposed to church growing up but that was kind of where it became very personal for you um can you tell me a little bit about where your faith journey went from there 
uh, what were some sort of some key points along the way, some some things that um, your faith inspired you to do? As a result of being on the in the um, ISCF group, the Christian group at McKinnon High, I ended up going on beach mission uh, down to Rosebud, which was wonderful. Went three years in a row. Uh, I went to teachers' college because I thought my teaching uh, would have been a, a useful thing wherever God was going to send me uh, to work, because I felt He had a plan for me and. Right after Teachers College, I taught for three years. I went to New Zealand and taught my way around New Zealand and met all sorts of wonderful people and uh, had some wonderful experiences of God's leading while we were there. And uh, then I came home and went to Deaconess House in Sydney and Moore Theological College and did a couple of years training and then went back to Melbourne because I wasn't quite sure what the next step was going to be. Um, and the next, I, I had started going on a Sunday afternoon to visit a friend who lived in Bentley uh, and she went to a Christian Endeavour group there on Sunday afternoon. So I joined up with that. That's where I met John. So I had known him for nine years before we became engaged and then married in 1969. Sorry, so how did you first meet John? He was just a member of the Christian Endeavour group. This was a, a Christian Endeavour was at all levels. You could have it at junior level or intermediate. We were the seniors, everybody high school, upper high school years and working people came to that so so from there you you got married um and then uh from the little bit of a chat that we had on the phone life changed quite significantly after that yes we went to st andrews hall which is the cms missionary training college uh i think about a whole six weeks after we were married we were married in february and in those days there were three terms in a year so we started in may it might have been a bit longer. So we did two terms, uh, term two and three, in 1969, and then we joined in 1970, the first term, because it was a 12-month training college at Moore College in those days. Oh, sorry, at St Andrews Hall. And, um, yes, so it was wonderful because um, not only did we get to know people, many of whom are still our friends, today and we still meet in prayer meetings with the Indonesian folk who, or those who went to Indonesia and uh, we've had lots of contact with other people too so and apart from that um, it was good training making us think through the situations we were going to go into and we went to work on the island of Borneo but not as CMS members serving abroad teaching at an Anglican school. Sure. So just to clarify for listeners who might have just started listening to this podcast at this episode, um, so St Andrews Hall is uh, a, a training ground for CMS, Church Missionary Society workers. Um, so, yeah, you were saying you didn't actually end up as members of CMS, but you were working in an Anglican school. Um, so how did that come about? How did you find out about the school and, and um, become involved there? 
a bit complicated. Because <laughs> uh, these things often are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were members of CMS, but we were not going with CMS. In those days, mm. now they have affiliates. In those days, they had CMS members serving abroad. So mm. anybody who was working overseas could have the prayer support of CMS, mm. but not the financial support. Uh, so that was a, a real encouragement uh, to us. We had applied to go with a, a small Borneo mission um, that was started after the Second World War. And no, so well, sort of. Uh, uh, it became very active after the Second World War. Uh, it was started by three men who went to Melbourne Bible Institute and uh, they started this mission. But Which is now come, MST, Melbourne Bible Institute, is that? Yes, MSD, uh, yeah. yes. Yep. Um, um, Melbourne School of Theology. Melbourne School of Theology, that's right. And these three men went out um, to start reaching the tribes of Borneo. And John was a pilot, and so he thought it would be great he could go and fly. He was very interested in this mission. So um, we were accepted to go with them, and they said, you needed to do missionary training and CMS accepted us, for which we were thankful. Uh, and then we found that visas didn't come through because there were problems with various um, government bodies in issuing visas. And so the best man of the uh, leader of the mission, he was a, an architect in this other place and he organised for us to go and teach at the school. So that's how it happened in a roundabout sort of connections. <laughs> and how did that experience go? How did you find working in a different context and, and, and teaching, doing the thing that you'd sort of been preparing for for so many years? Uh, it was a very interesting experience. John used to teach each morning from 7.30 until 1 o'clock uh, because then and that was uh, senior sciences and maths and Christian education. Um, I did relief teaching in the afternoons. The primary school met between 1 and 5.30. Of course, always the hottest part of the day, but we did have fans, so we were thankful for that. Um, I also had our second son born in Brunei, not long after we went there. So, uh, yes, we had a really wonderful time teaching at the school and uh, very, very multicultural, uh, people of all faiths. Uh, and the Sultan of Brunei proudly sent his children to St Andrew's School. So I felt that was always a great recommendation. Um, if the Sultan felt, felt it was a good school and mm. we had people of all faiths and it mm. was a very good experience. Sounds like a very growing experience. How do you feel that you've taken that experience into the rest of your life and ministry? Well, I've continued to work amongst people of different cultures um, and I continue to learn a great deal from them. Uh, I, back in nine, I taught with Adult Migrant Education Services for many years, teaching people in the workplace and people who came from Australia. I also uh, 
then helped uh, through the Anglican Diocese of Melbourne setting up English classes in churches around Melbourne. So a whole lot of people in the 1990s uh, thought that this would be a good means of outreach to share God's love and help people settle into Australia by running English classes. And so we got to know people and were invited into their homes and uh, we in turn invited them into our homes. And yeah, so many churches have continued to grow. The St Thomas's Burwood continues to have a, an English class every Saturday morning um, during term times. And I think that's 26 years since I set up that class. I haven't taught there all the time. I've, I have taught there since 2006. Fantastic. So we've sort of talked about the high level. What's your what's your faith journey included? Um, and you've you've worked overseas. You've had some children. You've um, you've worked here as well in a multicultural, many multicultural settings here um, and done a lot of church ministry work in that. Um, so I'm keen to go a little bit deeper, if that's OK, um, and, and talk about your faith and and some of the key points along your faith journey in terms of points where you've felt like you've learned something new or you've really grown deeper in your faith. Maybe it was a hard season of life that kind of taught you something new about God or um, really anything that's kind of shaped your faith journey along that way. Before we left Borneo, I had a diagnosis that um, I had a mole that had changed colour. And so I went to see the doctor when I came home and he said, oh, no problems, it'll get better. So nothing very much was known about melanomas back in the 70s. And I went back to see him and it had all turned black in the August. And he said, oh, well, we'll cut it off now and send it away for a biopsy. The next thing I knew, I got a phone call saying, "Come to go to Peter McCallum Hospital, you have cancer. And I think that was a, a big shock. And I sort of thought, mm. here am I, a young mother with two children, and I'm being told I've got cancer. Uh, and, of course, it was not on the radio. We didn't hear about melanomas. They didn't talk about sunscreen or anything like that. Um, mind you. My mother had always put sunscreen on us when we were children, so I knew it was what you had to do, so we did it. Um, and then I had this um, mole and a large area around it on my arm removed. And uh, the most amazing, and the skin transplant up over it, the most amazing thing is that that cancer had not spread all that time so I felt that that was God's provision uh, and uh, so I was very grateful for that and I was very thankful for the opportunity I taught Christian education in the primary school system in a voluntary capacity at many different schools and just a couple of years ago a youngish man with grey hair walked down the street and he said I know you you're the lady with the hole in her arm and I thought, well, perhaps that hole was there for a purpose. And he went on to tell me a bit about his life. And I had taught him when he was in grade two at the local primary school. 
So I just thought, well, God takes our whole lives and continues to use us in different ways. And I could think of many, many cases in which God has overruled and not always given us the perfect answer, but always provided for our needs, for which I'm very thankful. That's a very powerful story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, when you look back on your journey of faith now and, and what you now know about God in light of all of your experiences, um, what comes to mind as the aspect of God that is at the moment the most poignant or most powerful to you? I suppose I never cease to wonder at the greatness of God and his power and that he was prepared to send Jesus into the world to die for me and to rise again so that I can continue to love him and serve him. Uh, and he does it for everybody, everybody who wants to hear the good news, um, who wants to follow Jesus, he continues to invite us to come unto him. And I suppose through Bible studies uh, and various other activities, uh, I continue to uh, grow in my understanding of his love for me and the implications it has on my life. I don't know that I've completely answered your question. <laughs> no, no, that's a great, great answer. Um, and, and when you, when you, Maybe it's it's the people around you that you um, that you see at, at church or um, people that you speak to. Um, when you meet a, a young Christian or someone who's sort of a lot had a lot less time in their journey than you've had, what is it that you sort of wish that you could share with them from your experience? That God will never leave them or forsake them. That He'll always be with them, even in the difficult times. We've had a lot of students that have been told they've had to go home to their home countries and their home countries are in a terrible mess. And uh, I can still remember one girl that I went with her up to the 25th floor of uh, some government building and we signed a document and miraculously she was able to stay on in the country. So I have no That's idea incredible. why that particular less um, uh, was allowed to say, and others we've tried to get visas for, we were unsuccessful. And as I pray with people and pray for people with their various illnesses, I can't promise them that they will get better, but I can promise them that God will be with them through their journey. How, how do you sort of experience, how do you find that you experience God's presence in those, those hard times? I find that I often have, quite a, a peace, uh, which I think is God's peace, um, to, because it, um, we know the busyness of life and there's lots of things happening and that's not terribly peaceful. But uh, I just find that God's peace uh, pervades and overcomes that. And if I sit down and I read something from the word of God and just meditate on it, think about it, that um, draws me closer to him and I know that he's listening and he's able to, uh, and 
he doesn't leave me. He'll be there for the ups and the downs. So what are, what are your, some of your hopes for the future? What, what do you hope to see um, maybe in the world around you? What do you hope to see God do or, or maybe in your own life? I think it's quite exciting reading about things God is doing in different places um, around Australia and around the world. Uh, quite amazing to see. Well, it shouldn't be amazing. God does amazing things, but it is just wonderful the things that are happening. People are coming to faith in in Christ. They're finding a purpose and a plan for their lives, and they want to go out and share it with others. I always was most impressed when I was visiting China, which I did 10 times running training sessions for teachers to learn English as a second language. Uh, the people there don't say just come and follow Jesus. They say come and follow Jesus and be prepared to suffer for your faith. This is what we promise you. If you follow Jesus, it will cost you something. And I wonder sometimes if we said here in Australia that, if you follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something, not in money, but perhaps in friends, perhaps in popularity. Uh, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is to know what Jesus did for us and the difference he can make in our lives and other people's lives. And I found the Chinese people who come to faith were very fervent in their faith and wanting to follow Jesus and um, a great example to us. I think that's a great place to um, leave this conversation. It's been really amazing to hear your experiences and your journey. Um, and I think it will be a big encouragement to our listeners. So thank you for sharing. It's a pleasure. <laughs> You've been listening to Everyday Saints. Everyday Saints is hosted and edited by me, Carolina Cole, with help from Elspeth Kernibone, Michelle Harris, Janan Taylor, and Maya Pilbrow. Graphics by Julian Karajic. If you have a suggestion for our podcast, please email me directly at knicole at melbourneanglican.org.au.